Okay, so uh, we're continuing in Genesis tonight. We've been going over the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're going to keep going on, okay? I, I, always like, I always like to be able to sum up an entire theme that we're covering in the whole semester in one verse. Okay, I always like to do that. I'm not saying that this is the verse, but it's at least a verse, and it's the first one on your sheet, Exodus 3.15. So let's read that verse together, okay? Ready, go. And God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Okay. So the children of Israel, they've been in Egypt a long time. They have absolutely no clue who God is. They have, they're very certain who the Egyptians' gods are. Know their names, what kind of practices they like, what they're like. They have no clue who Jehovah is. And so the Lord's appearing to Moses. He's telling him all the things Moses is going to do. And Moses says, okay, yeah, by the way, who do I say that you are? Who are you? And he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is my name forever. This is my name forever. So do you think these three persons, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are significant? The real deal here is that in the stories of these men's lives, there's a revelation of who God is. He could have chosen anything, but he said, this is my name forever. You read the stories of these men, you'll find out who I am. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this is what we're in this semester, okay? And tonight we come to Genesis 14. Tonight is the story of Genesis 14. And here in the story of Genesis 14, there is a revelation of who God is. So I want you to be looking for that and to pick that up. And when you think about Genesis 14... I want you to remember this phrase. If you remember anything, remember this. Fighting for your brother. Say that. Fighting for your brother. If someone were to ask you what Genesis 14 is about after tonight, I hope you would say for the rest of your life, fighting for your brother. So that's the kind of nickname that I gave to tonight. The whole whole title, which is jam-packed and really good, is right under that on your outline. Enjoying Christ in His heavenly ministry by fighting for your brother. So if we want to tell the story of Genesis 14, the interesting thing is that we actually have to start in Genesis 13, okay? Kind of interesting how we got a verse from Exodus that sums up what we're getting to in Genesis. But if we want to get into Genesis 14, we've got to start in Genesis 13. So, is it okay if we have story time? Yes. Down for that? Okay. So, in Genesis 13, Abraham and his nephew Lot, they're, they're really good businessmen. They're in the business of shepherding cattle. Um, all these kind of things. They got lots. They got lots of shepherds, and they got lots of uh, animals to be shepherded. Uh, lots of goats, lots of uh, cattle, um, some cows, some camels. They got a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. 
And they've actually grown so big, they've amassed so many animals, they've been such good businessmen, that there even becomes uh, some fighting, some fighting between their shepherds. You know, your goats are on my side of the land, get out of here, you know. Um, Your goats smell, these kind of things. (laughs) Uh, So there's some fighting going on, okay? That's, you know, not optimal. Abraham says this. You know, Abraham's a top dog here. He's the uh, chief of the camp. You know, he could have said, hey, buddy, get your shepherds in line. You know what I mean? This is is my camp, okay? Get your shepherds in line. Uh, We've got to quit this infighting. That's not what he says. What he says is, Lot, okay, bro. Look at all this land before you. I mean, check, check the whole thing out, okay? We're getting too big. Uh, you know what? We can, we can separate. Why don't you just look out across this whole land and you pick a spot for yourself. You, you pick it. If, if you go to the right, I'll, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go up, I'll go down. Whatever you want, Lot, you, you have it. You have it. So Lot, Lot was a smart guy. Lot was a good businessman. Okay? You know, what I would have done, of course, this may be my culture, but probably what I would have done is I would have said, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. But inside, I would have been thinking, man, it sure be nice to have my own pick of whatever I wanted, you know. But you've got to say no at first, you know. <laughs> at least that's what, what, what I would have done. Lot, he says, hmm. Good idea, Abraham. Uncle Abe, man. Hey, great idea. Um, You know, maybe a lot have been thinking, man, it's about time for me to fly the coop. You know, I've been pinned up too long here. Maybe. Maybe it's time for me to just spread my wings, get out, you know. I mean, have my own camp. Be my own chief. So what Lot does is he looks out across the land And he chooses the very best portion. Verse 10 in Genesis 13 says that the plain of Jordan was watered like the garden of Jehovah. Doesn't that sound good? Think you could raise some cattle there? Bet you could. So Lot looks out across the whole of the good land and he says, Abraham, great idea. I'm choosing this one. And Abraham says... Okay, so we want to read this next verse here on your outline, right under number one, which will give you an indication of what's happening here. Roman number one says, Lot's what? Failure. Let's read Genesis uh, 13. Well, actually, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to read it for you. These first five words, I, I, hope, I hope you'll catch these first five words. So Lot chose for himself. So Lot chose for himself. So Lot chose for himself. I hope that will stick with you. Lot chose for himself. He chose for uh, not capital M, me, representing God, but lowercase m, me. Lot took the path of the self. Lot chose for himself. Lot chose for himself the entire plain of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves from each other. 
you know, it was good. You know, it's good that Lot, uh, he made a logical decision. Um, he was planning for his future. Uh, he made the best business decision, best decision for his career. But in doing so, he left the people of God. You know who the people of God on the earth were at that time? Abraham. Sarah. In choosing the best choice for his career, um, his future being very practical. It's not bad to be practical. Be practical. But in doing so, he left the people of God. Bad decision. Failure. No good. No bueno. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It's bad. Okay, I'll keep reading. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were very wicked and sinful toward Jehovah. The last, the last few parts of that verse should be like very dramatic music playing in the background, signifying bad things are going to happen now. Okay? He moved his tent as far as Sodom. It's not in Sodom. It's just as far as Sodom. It, kind of in the, in the direction, mm-hmm. in the general vicinity. But it's not in Sodom. I, I mean, that's, that's all right. It's good. It's not in Sodom. But, but it's, it's towards Sodom. It's as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were very wicked and sinful toward Jehovah. Okay. Let me tell you what Lot's decision should have been. Abraham, my decision is you. Wherever you are, that's where I'm going to be. I'll fire all of my shepherds. If we need, if we need to get new shepherds in here, Abraham, we're going to get new shepherds in here, okay? I, you, you are my choice. I, I hope nothing, I don't want to let anything separate me from the people of God. Abraham's Lot's decision should have been Abraham, period. Let me tell you what happens next. Lot's made his choice. Verses 14 through 18, Genesis 13. God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you gave Lot the choice. I give you no choice. You don't get what's left over. You get everything. He said, Abraham, I want you to look north. I want you to look east, look west, look south. Everything that you can see, I'm giving to you. I give you no choice, Abraham. I just give you everything. We take the path of the self. We may get something. Eventually, we take God. God says, I I give you everything. And what happens there, Jehovah appears to him. He renews his promise to Abraham. He says, you're going to bring forth a seed. I'm going to give you the land. And what Abraham ends up doing is offering himself completely and utterly and absolutely again. He builds an altar near the oaks of Mamre, which means strength. There in Hebron, which means fellowship. You think Abraham was strengthened into his inner man? I believe he was. You think he was enjoying fellowship with God? I believe he was. And there he builds an altar and he offers himself completely, utterly, and absolutely to the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord again. So, 
what happens just from this section we can see as Christians, we have two choices before us. We can have our best life now, or we can have God's presence, God's promise, and God's purpose. We can have the American dream and all that it might promise and give to us, or we can have the imminent presence of God, the unshakable promise of God, and the eternal purpose of God. All within the context of the people of God. We have two choices. What happens next? Genesis 14 is very interesting. The first 11 verses are some very uh, wild, entertaining Gentile history. You almost wonder why they're there. So nine kings are fighting. There's an uprising. Uh, there's bloodshed. There's tar pits. There's war. There's retreat. Uh, it's all. It would make a. It would make a great, uh, you know, momentous uh, movie scene. I'm sure. But the reason that happens is given to us in verse 12. Let's go down to Lot's capture. Genesis 4:12. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Those first four words at the end of those 11 verses, speaking about all that's happening in the Gentile world around, and they took Lot. It's a... um, It's an echoing, empty, sorrowful, unfortunate phrase. And they took Lot. Why did they take Lot? For he was dwelling in Sodom. In the beginning, it was just as far as Sodom. In the general vicinity of Sodom. Here, uh, a few verses later, I don't know how long later, he was dwelling in Sodom. If you want to read about Sodom, you just have to fast forward to Genesis 19. I don't think our burden tonight is to talk about how bad Sodom was. But it would be healthy to read. It's in the Word. God, do you think God would let His people live in Sodom? No. The answer is no. God loves His people so much that He would operate in His sovereignty to wake us up. Sometimes we need to be shaken awake. So what happens here is Lot is taken. And what's happened to his possessions, to his dwelling, to his family? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What's happened? There's a crucial point to learn from all this. The, the, the decisive factor, the deciding factor in all of our life decisions is this. How will this decision affect my relationship with God and my proximity to the people of God? How will this affect my relationship with God and my proximity to the people of God? So, lots taken. That's bad. But here comes some good news. We've had enough bad news maybe, right? We can do more bad news if we'd like more bad news. No. Okay, good news time. What happens next with Abraham is very encouraging. I want us to read these verses together. This is Abraham's decision. 
Okay, Genesis 14, 14 through, it's through something else. But let's read it together. Ready, go. And when Abram heard that his brother... Okay, consider Abraham's response. Okay, in verse 13, someone has escaped the battle, and they come to Abraham, and they tell him, Lot has been taken. And consider Abraham's response. I mean, it's, it's saddle the horses and go. You know what I mean? Let's go. I mean, I mean it's, it's uh, Lot's been taken. Let's go. Let's go. Not what maybe, I don't know, maybe you're better than me, but not maybe what I would have done. Uh, Told you so. Hey, brother, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Hey, bad decisions in life? Hey, it was your choice, dog. Sorry. You chose to separate yourself from uh, God's chosen one, huh? Separate yourself from the people of God, brother. That's what's happening. That's what happens. You got what you deserve. Reap what you sow. Sorry. Okay, there was none of that. You don't pick up any of that. What, what, what you pick up is, it, is it's like Abraham here, hears the news and, and he's, he's, he's call, calling, calling the chef, getting the trained men. Let's go. Let's go. We got, we got to go. We got to go. He chases them to the uh, to the upper north of the entire country. He chases he chases this army across the country. Okay, that's incredible, right? I mean, it's not like they just got in the Humvee. You know what I mean? It was like, and they didn't fly in Air Force One. You know what I mean? They didn't have any jet planes. It was like saddle up the donkeys, the camels, the horses. Let's go. Okay, they chase down. They chase down this army, which is made up of four kings, by the way. So you would assume that they have more than Abraham's three hundred men. You would assume. And uh, Abraham even divides his forces, which an astute historian that I know let me know that that's not what you do if you got less men. You don't split your forces. But Abraham splits his forces. And you know what? They end up winning. The, they win the battle. They defeat the four kings. They get Lot back. They got all the possessions back, all the, you know, spoils of war. Pretty incredible. Interesting here. Prayer is not mentioned in these verses. Isn't that interesting? Prayer's not, in, it's not mentioned in these verses. But I totally believe that Abraham was praying for Lot. Totally. You fast forward to Genesis 18, that's exactly what he's doing. He's having a conversation with Jehovah and just, I mean, interceding strongly. Surely, surely the judge of all the earth will do right. Surely you won't destroy Sodom for uh, if there's 40 righteous men in Sodom. You won't destroy the, the righteous with the wicked. Surely. There's, there's an intimate intercession in Genesis 18. I, I even wonder, of course, this is just me wondering, but I wonder if Abraham was praying for Lot when the man came up and told him. 
that Lot had been taken. I, I, I wonder. One of the ways we can fight for our brother, firstly, foremost, is prayer. Let's read 1 John 5, 6 together. Ready, go. He shall ask and he shall... Did you know that your prayer... Did you know that you can have life-giving prayer? He shall ask and he shall give life to him. You know what? You may not make the A on that test you were praying for. You may, you may not get that A. You may not get that A. But you know what? If you pray for your brother who slid down into Sodom, got captured, is under God's sovereign, loving hand, bringing him back to God's people, you pray for your brother who got captured, you can give life to him. Our prayer, we can have life-giving prayer when its direction is toward our brother. Life-giving prayer. And number two, what did Abraham do? Abraham wasn't just praying. Abraham went. He got up and went. Let's read this next verse, Galatians 6.1. Ready, go. So, you know, for us, for us, you just consider, maybe, uh, maybe you got some feeling. That feeling is from the Lord for your friend, your buddy, your down and out brother and sister. You got a little feeling there? First, you pray. Of course we pray. And that prayer uh, is life-giving. You got a life-giving prayer there, praying for your brother. And number two, that's when we pick up our keys, if you got keys. You go outside your apartment and you go visit them. We go. Pray. Everybody say this. Pray, go. Pray, go. Pray, and go. First we pray and then we go get our keys or we find the bus route and we go. And you know what, you know what it may look like? Uh, it, it probably, it may not look like... Uh, uh, Hey there, brother. I've got, uh, I've got 25 hymns picked out here for us to sing and get into our spirit together. It may not, it may not look like that. It may not. Uh, it, it, if it is, great. You know, enjoy the Lord. may not look like, uh, you know, bringing that five-pound study Bible and whapping them over the head with it. it. may not look like that either. You know what it could look like? I'm just, I'm just suggesting. I'm not saying it does, but I'm suggesting it could. It could look like... Uh, Hey, are you studying tonight? Great, let's study together. You want to go work out together? Great, let's go work out together. You want to go grab a coffee? Maybe they drink coffee, maybe they don't. Why don't we go grab coffee together? Hey, guess what? I'll even buy it. I'll buy it. I'll use my money and I'll buy it for you. We can go together and I'll pay for it. Or maybe it's your parents ultimately they're paying for it. Anyway... But you get, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. And you know what? Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you spend 90 minutes, two hours together. I mean, it just depends. You have to be led by the Spirit. But maybe there's two minutes of actual fellowship. Maybe you say the name of Jesus once. I don't know. 
But you have no idea what transpires in those two minutes. You have no clue. You have no idea. You know what? uh, There are times when I've been down and out. You know what? It helped me so much to laugh with a person that loved Jesus. They love Jesus, they're with me, and we're laughing together. And it's like, man, I'm just getting revived right now, you know. You'd be surprised just what your presence, your prayer and your presence. You pray and you go. You'd be surprised what happens. You may just slaughter nine kings, four kings at night, split up your army. That You, you, just, don't, you just don't know. That really could be what happens. Okay, this is the last point. This is why... All of that happened. In this last point, we can sum up and see why all of that transpired. Why did Lot get taken? Why did Abraham respond in such a way? Why did Abraham ride into town with not as many people, end up clearing house and rescuing a child of God? Why did that happen? Roman number four. Melchizedek's ministry. Let's read this, these uh, next few verses together. Genesis 14, 18 through 19. Ready, go. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine. Now he was pleased to have out the Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham from God the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Who is this man? Who is this mysterious man that shows up in Genesis 14? Who is this guy? Melchizedek means king of righteousness. King of righteousness. Just let that sink in. King of righteousness. And it says that he's the king of Salem. Jerusalem. You know what Salem means? Peace. Okay. King of righteousness, and he's the king of peace. Hmm. Think about that. And what does he give? What what does he give to Abraham? Bread and wine. He gives Abraham bread and wine, which just coincidentally, maybe, maybe not. I don't think it was coincidental. He brings him bread and wine, which are the very elements of the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, communion. He brings him bread and wine. Who do you think this guy is? Jesus. And you know what? We don't have to wonder because the New Testament devotes an entire chapter to explaining specifically who he is. It's Hebrews chapter 7. And the writer there, who was probably Paul, says Melchizedek was a type of Christ. When Paul read the, read the book of Genesis, we want to see the book of Genesis how Paul saw it. When Paul read the book of Genesis, he read Genesis 14, and he's reading there, and he sees Melchizedek, and he, he sees Christ. Melchizedek, as a priest of God the Most High, was in the background. You didn't know he was there, but you know what he was doing? Melchizedek was praying. You know why Abraham slaughtered the four kings? I mean, he's got like 300 guys. I mean, come on. You know why Abraham slaughtered the kings? Melchizedek's prayer. You know why uh, some uh, kind of mysterious, seemingly unrelated sovereign situation happened so that Lot could get woken up? 
Melchizedek's prayer. Now, get this. I want you to catch this point. Do you know why Abraham responded the way he did? Melchizedek's prayer. Apart from the Lord's mercy, apart from the... You know, Hebrews 7.25, I'll just read it right now. says, He lives always to intercede for them. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's carrying out His heavenly ministry, which is praying. He lives always to what? Jesus, what are you doing? What are you living for? He lives always to intercede for them. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, we'll make this quick. Um, I kind of need a... Uh, Will, come up here, bro. Come up here, bro. Okay, Will is going to be our Abraham, okay? Let's say hi to Honest Abe here. So, Will is our Abraham. Um, And you know what? Uh, Outwardly, when we read these verses, uh, you know what we think? I mean, Abraham, it's like he got up, he went, he slaughtered the kings. I mean, come on, he's ready. You know what I mean? So, outwardly, we think... uh, I may think Abraham, he's just this... I mean, go ahead and flex for it. <laughs> Give us a little fierce little... <laughs> this, is what we think, this is what we think about Abraham. This is what we think. On the outside, that's what it looks like. I mean, he went and fought. I mean, let's be real. Okay. Spiritually, spiritually it looks a lot more like this. Go ahead and, go ahead and recline here, bro. And just, give, just give us a good weak face. A good kind of weak, kind of like... Uh, uh. Okay, you know what Melchizedek's doing? Melchizedek's praying, and he's ministering bread and wine. He's ministering God himself to his people. He sees a situation with Lot. Melchizedek's praying, and you know what God comes to do? He comes to minister. Uh, Grace, heart-softening grace. He's ministering heart-softening grace to Abraham. And he's uh, he's ministering um, uh, heart-strengthening grace. He's preparing Abraham. He's ministering to Abraham so that when Abraham hears the news, he'll make a strong decision to fight for Lot. So God... Melchizedek's praying, the Spirit is coming, he's ministering, he's preparing Abraham. The news comes, and Abraham says, let's go! Okay, okay, Abraham says, let's go. And you know what? We, we would think on the outside, oh, Abraham's big, strong, big body. He's going to go slay some people now. Really, it looks more like this. I'm going to pick you up. It looks more like this. The Spirit comes and he says, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Okay. That, that, that is what happens. Okay. Melchizedek is praying, interceding for his people. He's preparing us to respond. And, and as, soon as, we'll, as soon as we'll say, okay, I'll go. What do you think happens? Why, 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 how could Abraham defeat all those kings? Because he was some strong spiritual big body? No. Because Melchizedek's prayer. Because of God's interest on the earth. Because God cared about Lot. You know, because God cared, he was praying 
And the Spirit was coming to soften Abraham, to prepare him. And as soon as he made the decision, yes, I'll go, you better believe the Spirit went with him. Okay. So, to close us out here, to bring us full circle, I want you to consider what about this story can I learn from this story? Can I learn about God? Remember Exodus 3.15. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You want to know me? You can know me in the experiences of these men. Consider. I'll just throw some out there. Number one, God is merciful. You know what? For his people... He's the God of umpteen chances. He's not the God of second chances. You need a lot more chances than, than two. For his people, you know what? You go down, you, you, you separate yourself from the people of God. You end up living in Sodom. God still has a heart for you if you're his. He's merciful. What else? God's loving in his love, in his love, he operated in some crazy, some crazy situation to rescue Lot, to, to shake him awake, to send Abraham after him, to prepare Abraham, to pray for Abraham, to uh, strengthen, uphold, uplift, and go with Abraham to accomplish the rescue of Lot. God is loving. God is love. Number three, he's sovereign. You know what? There's lots of chaos and craziness going on in the world. And even amidst that, God can use that to draw him to your, draw you to himself. God's sovereign. You know what else? God is faithful. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Just a few points to consider.